The message you are listening to is recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2019 Campus Outreach New Year's Conference. More information about Campus Outreach New Year's Conference can be found at conycnd.com. A reading from Matthew chapter 9. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every deeds and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. This is God's word. What's up, what's up y'all? We bringing it home, round and third. So I'm excited to finish us off today. That's one of my favorite passages. Uh, one of the first passages I memorized in our little discipleship groups in Campus Outreach. So if you've been around longer than a year, I'm pretty sure they already got that in your scripture memory box. So um, we're going to close it off with one of them. But again, y'all know my three principles. Our goal is glorify God. We want to see him. Um, we're going to laugh a little bit more. And um, I'm even going to make it real with the, with the crying. Uh, I made my niece cry, so I got somebody, man. I ain't seen nobody um, walking around with a uh, little little pissy pants yet, so uh, I'm still looking for you, though. Uh, so I'm excited to finish it off today. My song today is Seven Years, um, and I just want us to sing along, though. I ain't even going to buy nobody up here wasted. It's a little longer. Who, who likes Seven Years? Who like Lucas Graham, y'all, man? Lucas Graham, man, I, I've been researching that dude, man. Danish, you know, man, like. But you look at that video, you would think he like from the hood, though, man. Walking with this little wife beater and all that good stuff. Looking funny as a mug. But I'm just going to show the lyrics. And I want us to focus on the lyrics of the song. And he even wrote the song. And they say seven years was written because he's just going through the stages of life. And then he stops at 60 years old because that's the age that his father died. And he said, man, um, my goal is to live 61 years. Um, so I can believe that, man, it's possible to live a little longer, though. He's just walking through the stages of life. Just check it out. And it's going to set us up for our song. Now talk. You know it, sing along too, man. Once I was seven years old, my mama told me, go make yourself some friends or you'll be lonely once I was seven years old. It was a big, big world, but we thought we were bigger. Pushing each other to the limits, we were learning quicker. By 11, smoking herb and drinking burning liquor. Never rich, so we were out to make that steady figure. Once I was 11 years old, my daddy told me, go get yourself a wife or you'll be lonely. Once I was 11 years old. I always had that dream like my daddy before me. So I started writing songs, I started writing stories. Something about that glory just always seemed to bore me. Cause only those I really love will ever really know me. Once I was 20 years old, my story got told. Before the morning sun when life was lonely. Once I was 20 years old. 
traveled around the world and we're still roaming soon we'll be 30 years old about life my woman brought children for me so i can sing them all my songs and i can tell them stories most of my boys are with me some are still out seeking glory and some i had to leave behind my brother i'm still sappy soon i'll be 60 years old my daddy got 61 remember life and then your life becomes a better one i made a man so happy when i wrote a letter once i hope my children come and visit once or twice a month soon i'll be 60 years old will i think the world is cold or will i have a lot of children who can bore me soon i'll be 60 years old yourself some friends or you'll be lonely once i was seven years old once i was seven years old y'all like this song huh shoot huh i like it too though i like it too but i thought the song was legit it broke down life into a couple of um stages and this is what i like to um, throw out there and i threw them in all to four stages of life that all of us are going to experience. It's guaranteed. The first one is investigation. It's like, man, as you pop out of the wound and you exploring life and you asking questions, you see a little kid, they always asking why. Um, even in the video, it's like when I'm seven years old, my mama told me to go make some friends. It's like, you just investigate, man, what is this world that I live in? And that's, that's like zero to 20 or zero to 18, you know? And then you pop into the next stage and it's identity. And that's what most of us are in right here in this room, about 18 to, to 30-something, you know. Um, man, who am I? Where do I? Where do I belong in this life? Man, what is this purpose? Uh, what, what makes me special? How am I unique? Um, and then you enter to the next stage. It's intimacy. You start asking those deep questions, man, who am I going to spend the rest of my life with? Uh, who, who am I really going to connect with and become one with? Uh, you see people start getting married at, at 28 to, to 38 and things like that. Some of y'all, 21, you know, I know Kentucky, y'all get early, you know, man. Uh, but, um, and then um, intergenerational is the last one. You heard him talking about when he's 60 years old. He hope his kids going to visit him once or twice a month. Um, you start thinking about grandkids. You start thinking about kids. You start thinking about the next generation. Um, and we've seen it here. His father died at 61 years old. And that's what he's really thinking about. He's like, man, hopefully I live a little bit longer than my pops. Every last one of us in this room will die. I mean, I don't know nobody that's been alive forever. Every last one of us in this room will die. And this talk is really asking the question, man, what is the legacy that you're going to live behind? But everybody just stand up. Let's stand up. I'd like to um, just get to a quick little point right here. Go ahead and stand up. This is my slide with the, um, the timeline. Go ahead and throw the timeline up there. So I want you to sit down if you were born born, y'all get that, before 1998, if you were born before 1998, sit down, all y'all old people, sit down, all y'all old people, 1998, so all the old people dropping like flies, 
So check this out. Based off of just life expectancy, they say 80 years, and I round up, it's actually 79 years, but we're just going to go with 80 for easy calculation. Like y'all right there, man, got 58 years to live if you was just born in 1998. That's all. But everybody born 1999 and before, please sit down. Dropping like flies now, man. Y'all catch? Really only got 60 more years based off of the stats to live. Okay? If you're still standing, that means you're going to be alive a little bit longer. That's all. Based off of the stats. That means that you ain't lived that much either. So sit down if you was born in 2000 or before. Okay? Okay, I see y'all little young heads in the room. The legacy going to live on. 2001 and before, sit down. The mall of freshmen right there, man. That's where it's at. So, you can sit down too. You just make sure you're living long and proud. But, but I went down the freshman year, and we're talking about a freshman there, 18 years old. Max, you got it 62 years, based off life expectancy. I mean, they're just saying 80 years old. Most of y'all in this room are going to be dead 62 years from now. That's real. I mean, we can't stop that. That's just the way that God set it up. You live and you die. And the question for today, man, how are you going to live your dash? The dash is, man, if I was born 2000 to 2080, the in-between is what we're talking about today. Now, how are you going to live that? And I'm going to give us some tips on how you can maximize your dash. So three tips. This is the overview of where we're going for the whole talk. Identify the problem in the world. If you want to make an impact, if you want to leave a legacy, you got to identify the problem. I mean, like identify the real problem too. I mean, I'm in Chicago and I'm with some students, man. They really want to make a difference. I mean, it's so many people that want to make difference. But I'm saying, hey, have you really sat down and thought about, man, what's the real issue in this world? We're going to talk about that today. And then the second one, you got to know the need. Once you find a problem, you got you to gotta know the need. Like, what, what can I do about this? And the third one is, you got to provide the solution. So, we're going to talk about those three points as we go forward of how you can maximize your dash before we go and open up God's word. Let's pray. Dear God, we just come to you today. God, we thank you for bringing us all into this life. And God, we thank you for bringing us all into this room today. And we thank you for this week. And we thank you for all the people you put into our life. God, I just pray that you speak to me, speak through me, and speak to everybody in this room about how we can maximize our life and live it uh, with a great purpose. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So first we're going to identify that problem. And I'm breaking it down, the verse that we just read, and we're just going to look at it. So Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Little context. We got Jesus with his disciples. He's out in the fields and looking out and he looked down at the town and he see all the brokenness in the town. And he responds, they're like sheep. They're harassed and helpless without a shepherd. Man, they're running wild, they're hurt, they're wounded. And there's nobody to help them and to guide them and to, to provide a need for them. Man, I see that in my life. I share the stories about Daryl. I share the stories about just my upbringing. 
And I was like, hey, I made it all personal, but I wanted to bring it to your neighborhood. So I got this map right here, and I just pulled up the news for the last 10 days because I made the PowerPoint. I sent it a week ago. So this was the newspaper last week. And I was like, man, let me pick every region, and let me just find a story that was in the newspaper about your region. And we're just looking at the problems that exist in the world today. St. Louis, we'll start with y'all first. This is y'all, y'all time, you know, only appropriate. In St. Louis, last week, an infant boy suffered months of abuse before birth. An infant boy suffered months of abuse before birth, I mean before death. Like, he was born, he's an infant. And most of his life he was abused and he's just a little baby boy. The parents was charged and they arrested. That's in St. Louis. Central Illinois, a 10-year-old boy returned home after being shot. A 10-year-old got shot. He was in a hospital for weeks, and he's just getting home. And it's a broken world. Infant, being abused by his own parents. Something wrong with this world. Chicago, this was last week, and it was just a weekend statistic. 38 shots, five fatal over the weekend. And 12 of them got shot after having a memorial for somebody that got shot. They shot him at the, at the, the celebration of a dude's life. It's a gun shootout. Indianapolis. Man arrested for kidnapping and child molestation. I mean, it's right here in this city. Like, dang. Something wrong with this world. Columbus. Police looking for a man that's accused of robbing three gas stations. I told you I don't go to the gas station at nighttime, y'all, man. Because that's how I go down. Kentucky get a little weird. 15K reward is offered to the man who shot 14 horses. It's funny, but it's like, like that's messed up. There's no way that horse did anything to that man. Like, there's no way. We live in a world where people just go out and just, just do evil things. Just shot 14 horses for no reason. I keep going, but y'all get the point. My point is that, man, we live in a world that's, that's pretty messed up. There's evil roaming all around us. And it's like, dude, y'all all have experiences on a personal level. Y'all all have experienced the, the stain of sin. Man, it's the problem out there. But let me loosen it up a little bit. I was looking on the news, and I was like, man, the world is messed up. But sometimes people be on the news, and it ain't really that bad, you know. So check out my boy right here, man. He in the Christmas season right now, and he's just trying to give away gifts, and they lock this man up, y'all, man. That is so messed up. That is so messed up. A Florida man just handing out weed, and they lock him up, oh, man. So if anything, they should have gave this man an award or a prize or something, man. So just being generous out here and getting in trouble. I grew up in a, in a neighborhood infested with prostitution, drugs, and everything else, and violence. And you could have said, hey, Tony, yeah, we know all these broken things exist. And people say, oh, just throw some money at it. They just need some money in that neighborhood. Man, there was a lot of money in that neighborhood, to be honest. I told you about Daryl. They was making more than all of y'all parents at some point. It's like, it ain't, money ain't going to fix the problem. I know it. I lived in a neighborhood that, that had money. And a lot of them just give it away to somebody else that wants the money. It's like, money ain't going to solve the problem. 
opportunity. Maybe that's it. Maybe they just need just some opportunities. Maybe they just need another job or something, you know. That ain't going to solve the problem. Education, that's what it is, Tony. It's the schooling system. Like, man, I went to a pretty good school after going to a pretty bad school. And, dude, the problem still existed at the school where everybody had, like, 3.5s and 4.0s. That ain't really solved the problem. Medicine. That's what it is, man. A lot of them people that we just read about, there's something wrong with their brain. They just need some medicine. Like, they need to go to the doctor, need some therapy. Man, that's, that's not going to solve the problem, y'all. And, yes, you should be a doctor. Yes, you should be a therapist. Yes, you should be a, um, a teacher. Yes, you should be a financial advisor. But, man, those won't solve the deep issues in the world that we live in today. Jesus looked out there and said that, man, they harass and help us like sheep without a shepherd. He saw this stuff. He's, he sees it. But he also told us what the true need was. And let's take a look at that. Jesus went throughout all of the towns and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Jesus is the need. Man, I have seen it in my life. I mean, even sharing my story with my mother. My mother took us to church every Sunday and Wednesday. I used to play sports, and I used to come up with every excuse in the world. It's like, Mama, oh, my gosh, man, I think I just broke my leg from football. I can't walk to church on Sunday. And she's like, get your butt up, man. We need to pray over you at church. It's like, hey, Mama, man, I think I got the flu. I'm about to die. Well, it's better to die at church than to die at this house. Like, like she took me to church all the time. But a, a story about my mama that literally has changed my life more than anything. Me and my little sisters, we grew up in the house. And my mother came home one night, y'all. Delivered. She was a drug addict and went to some church one night and came home and cleaned up the house and changed everything. I remember that day. And do our life changed forever. She ain't need more money. She ain't need a better education. She needed Jesus. And it changed the trajectory of our whole family. That's what we're all about today. And y'all hear the story of campus outreach and you got some little weird Jesus freak keep talking to you about the bridge diagram. You've seen it six times at this point. And he's like, man, why is they doing this? But I want, I want you all to check out this video and get a little bigger picture of, man, why campus outreach exists. And I'll make it come home a little bit more. Watch this video. The philosopher Soren Kierkegaard said that life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. In essence, one must know something of the past in order to live with vision and purpose for the future. What is the history of campus outreach? And what does the future hold? In 1978, it became clear to a few people out of a local church in Birmingham, Alabama, that the college campus was one of the most strategic and necessary places to prioritize ministry. That year, there were roughly 11 million people enrolled in colleges and universities in the U.S., representing 5% of the population. But what a significant portion of the population. Doctors, lawyers, politicians, artists, teachers, and a host of other professional occupations making this demographic the future leaders in society and throughout the world. Students arrive to college asking questions about their identity their purpose, their future, and their beliefs. This prompted Briarwood Presbyterian Church to place a full-time staff person in a local college campus. Students responded with interest and inspiration 
allowing the church to quickly expand to another campus, and then, after other campuses were added, to a new church, thereby creating a distinct franchise. As is the case with multiplication, new campuses and franchises were quickly added as campus outreach expanded internationally to Konken, Thailand in 1990, and then to Charlotte, North Carolina in 1995. This expansion continued as more students' lives were transformed, advancing the vision of reaching more of tomorrow's leaders. To this day, students continue to be impacted by these emphases and are being strategically sent to minister in India, Lebanon, China, Thailand, the UK, Dubai, Iraq, Brazil, and all across the United States. And this is only scratching the surface. New teams have been launched to begin CO ministries in Charleston, South Carolina, and the United Kingdom. I share that video. It's just saying, hey, the need is Jesus Christ. And my desire and our desire in Campus Outreach is that you guys realize that. And do that we get to live our dash by persuading many people in the world that Jesus Christ is the need. There's conferences like this, Campus Outreach, all over the nation right now. And, dude, it's not about Campus Outreach. It's about Jesus. I got a little picture right here. Me and my boy, Mark. Me and Mark, one of my staff guys, um, he is spending on black. But I feel like we, we got, like, the same DNA, man. So we go to a graveyard uh, looking for somebody, and we like, dude, man, this get me going. And we walking around looking at tombstones like, now, one day I'm going to be dead. Like, like one day I'm going to be dead, and I wonder what they're going to say about me. And, like, it get us going, just refreshing our brains. Like, man, I got to live my dash right now. We were looking for somebody, and it was actually, I think it's his and mine's, great, 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 great grandfather of the faith. We went looking for him. He in Chicago, in the tombstone, and we found it. Edward Kimball. And this is the picture. We at the graveyard. It was a little creepy because it's like walking. It's like, dude, I'm falling in the freaking ground. What's going on? They do it right or something. But this is his tombstone. Who is Edward Kimball? Nobody know who that dude is. Let me tell y'all who he is. Go to the next slide. His dash consists of 1823 to 1901. White dude living in Chicago. Now know nothing about inner city kid Tony Dentman. Sunday school teacher, average Joe, walks into Sunday school class, and he see a student over there falling asleep, like many of y'all when I'm talking. And he decided that, man, I'm going to find him outside of Sunday school class, and I'm going to tell him about Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is the ultimate need of the world. He walks into this, to this shoe um, shine place. He shares the love of Jesus Christ with him. He walks out, and they say he puts in his journal. This guy's a heathen that wants nothing to do with Jesus. This guy becomes a Christian and D.L. Moody becomes one of the greatest evangelist pastors in American history. D.L. Moody led William Kimball to Christ. William Kimball led Billy Sunday to Christ, big-time baseball player. Billy Sunday led Mordecai Ham to Christ, become a big-time evangelist. Mordecai Ham led Billy Graham to Christ, and many of you guys know Billy Graham name. Billy Graham leads some of the biggest crusades in American history. Billy Graham is preaching at one of the crusades, and Brian Lewis' father is sitting in the living room, and he's watching it on TV, and he becomes a Christian. 
He leads his son to Christ, Brian Lewis. Brian Lewis comes on staff with Campus Outreach. He walks into the dorm and leads David Burns to Christ. David Burns goes into the dorm and leads Mason Leaf to Christ. Mason Leaf is at Murray State. He walks into the football team and leads Stuart Childers to Christ. Bald head dude from Kentucky. They come to Southeast Missouri State and share the love of Jesus Christ with me. And we're talking about something that's crazy that started in 1856, probably before that, I'm just tracking it back to my boy Edward Kimball. We're talking about 164 years since Edward Kimball's birth and today. And I'm walking with the Lord because of the decision that he made by sharing the gospel with a dude in the Sunday school class. But not even just sharing the gospel in the Sunday school class, but even realizing Jesus is the ultimate need to go outside the Sunday school class and share it with him in his workplace. And he realized it was just a calling because it wasn't up to him about the, the um, the, the result, he just was being faithful to the mission. And Tony Denman in 2020 is sitting on the stage telling you about my great, 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 great grandfather of the faith. Man, he lived his dash. And his legacy is still living on. Dang, I want to be a part of that. The question is I ask myself when I walk through the graveyard is, man, who's next? Will somebody be saying my name? when they're talking about their spiritual tree and their life being changed forever. But let's get to the solution. We got the problem. We live in a broken world. Sin is real. We all, we all know that. We know Jesus Christ is the, is the need. Everybody in the world needs Jesus Christ. He will transform your life. Solution is you. And Amy, it's you, us, at the end of the day. But I want you to write you. Don't put us. All right, and I flipped it a little bit, you know, in the, the Gospels, um, they, they tell the same stories basically, but sometimes you get a little extra details. So I flipped to Luke 10, 23. It's a continuation of the passage, but it's a big emphasis on you. So we got Jesus looking out in the crowds, harassing helpers like sheep without a shepherd. He turned to his disciples, and he said this right here. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. As the the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send out workers into the harvest field. Go. I am sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. God, Jesus Christ, chilling with his disciples, he turned to them and said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up laborers, to raise up workers that's willing to do the hard thing so people can know Jesus, like Edward Kimball. And then he said, hey, <laughs> Now go. <laughs> he told them pray. And then he sent them cats out to do the work that they just prayed about. That's what we all about, y'all. The solution is you. And you got to get that. I think about, I got this little weird imagination. And when I be reading the Bible, I be like, man, I wonder about this. And this is one thing I wonder about. I think about Paul. Paul wrote 13 letters in the Bible. Paul was a, one of the first big-time missionaries in history. Paul, the apostle Paul. Um, and I was like, man, when we get to heaven, we run up to Paul. Be like, what's up, Paul, man? Hey, you was a beast, man. They threw you off the ship and everything. Like, oh, my God, they were throwing rocks at your butt. And you, boy, thank you for being faithful. Um, but, hey, Paul, um, tell me about the dude who led you to the Lord. Like, tell me about it. Because sometimes I be scared and I be thinking, like, like, like man, I be, I be punking out. Like, tell me about the dude who led you to the Lord, Paul. One of the greatest missionaries in the Bible. 13 letters, 13 books of the Bible written by this guy, Paul, the Apostle Paul. I just imagine him saying this. 
He turned to me, he's like, hey, Tony, with tears in his eyes, he said, Tony, I killed him. I was like, Paul, tell me about the dude who led you to the Lord. With tears in his eyes, he said, I killed him. That when we see in the Bible, Stephen preached the gospel to Paul and the guys that was with Paul, and they stoned him to death. That was his encounter. That was his faithful watchman, and he killed him. And years later, Stephen message God used to lead Paul to Christ, and Paul literally one of the greatest missionaries in the Bible. You are the solution. And he said, I'm sending you out lambs amongst wolves just to be faithful to deliver their needs. I got a little illustration right here that I just got to share this because uh, when I start talking about the missions of Christ, I don't want you to lose track of where this all come from. God created a perfect world in the garden. Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with God. However, they chose to disobey God and that sin, they didn't trust him anymore and they chose another route, that sin, and that led us to the broken world. We live in a broken world because of sin. And this broken world that we just looked at and every last one of y'all can testify to, man, things ain't right. And now we live in a broken world. And God loved us so much that Jesus Christ came down to earth, died on the cross, and he rose on the third day, and he sits on the throne. And that those who truly do trust in him, turn from your wicked ways and believe in Jesus Christ, then you can be renewed and you can be transformed into the image of God. You can be saved from the wrath of God. But it don't end there. And that's with the little arrow in the middle. And then he sends you out on a rescue mission to draw the rest of the family back to God. And to this perfect world. One day we're going to die. Some of us is going to enter into a perfect state of heaven. And some of us not. And you, those who truly do have a relationship with God, you get to draw as many people in as possible. And that's the gospel. It ain't just you get saved. But, man, you get to be a part of the amazing mission of God. If you want to live your dash, man, you can be just like Eric Kimball. I share some of my story, and I share some of my story not to even glorify me, but really to, to exaggerate how messed up I really am. I share that, man, I come from the hood. Man, there was times that we came home, the lights was cut off, the, the hot water wasn't there. I'm carrying a dog on whole little hot buckets, dropping hot water on myself. Um, like, I came from... I, the school system that I went to wasn't even accredited elementary. I remember coming home one day. This is, this is fifth grade. When my mama room, in the bed. She said, hey, Tony, read the book to me. Grab the book. I don't know the book um, was, but I started reading the book. And I'm like, I uh, can you. And she's like, boy, you can't read. And start crying. It's like, you dumb as a box of rocks, y'all. <laughs> She got on the phone, literally made some phone calls and transferred me out to Ladue. And I started going there to a really good school. Like, I grew up, I couldn't even read in the fifth grade. I get to Ladue, y'all, all white school, Jewish, rich kids. These cats put me in a special ed class. <laughs> like, no joke, they put me in a special ed class. There was two people in our special ed class other than me, like, so three total. They had to go there for an hour or two, you know. Lizzie and Scott, they became my closest homeboys, you know what I'm saying, like. They both had Down syndrome. It's me, Lizzie Scott, with Down syndrome sitting in special ed class because I was so far behind everybody else. They ain't had no other class to put me in. They home homeboys. They, Lizzie Scott, that's where it's at. Um, so I am downplaying that. But I'm saying, man, I'm storing up negative in this. 
I just want y'all to get that. And then I grew up, I started going to church about 8 to, to 18 consistently. And I got this, this picture right here with my little sister and, and me. And I, I, I crack jokes because of, we just come home. If this ministry thing don't work out for me, you know, it don't work out, I got a backup plan. And I've been training for this for the last about 28 years of my life. You know what I'm saying? So we used to come home, me and my sister play this little game. You know, we experts. We turn off the lights in the kitchen. All lights off. You let it sit for about five minutes. And you make sure you grab something. Because right when you turn the light on, we're going to say who can get the most kills. We're killing roaches, y'all. We like pop, 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 pop. It's like, man, like I grew up in an environment that, man, our funnest thing we used to do at nighttime was kill roaches, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Negative. But God saved my soul, y'all. And I put this in here. Bald head white dude right here. You show that picture. We look like we was in that special ed class, though. <laughs> Y'all see that? Like, we both look like that mug. Um, Stuart walked into my life. And he shared the gospel with me over and over. And I joke a lot about that bridge diagram, but he shared it with me at least five times, y'all. I remember the last time he shared it. was like, hey, Stu, you remember what I said last time, bro? Like, you got to get a new tool or something, bro. He's like, what's your answer? It's like the same thing I said last time. I'm a six, bro. I don't know where at. How you get to the other side? He's like, I'm going to keep sharing until you get it. But Stu did whatever it takes for me to know the Lord. There's scenarios where I'm with all the guys, man. We're sitting at the table with some of the football guys. And, and everybody knows Stu is the Jesus freak. And he walk into the cafe. And y'all know the CO staff. They come into the cafe. They live there. You know what I'm saying? And he come up in that deal. Everybody's like, dang, there goes Stu. When he come to this table, we all going to grab our trays and we're going to get up and leave. I'm like, dang. Like, Stu, he's been coming my friend lately, but everybody know to run when he start coming because he's going to be talking about Jesus. I'm like, oh, the moment. So he come and he walking. Hey, guys, you know. He's sitting on there all grab their tray and, and get up and leave. I'm like, dang. And I stayed, man, because I was a little punk. I was just leave him like that. But, man, this dude was getting rejected after getting rejected after getting rejected after getting rejected. And he kept pursuing me. Man, I thank him for that. Because, of man, he invited me to this conference, and he kept sharing his love of Jesus Christ with me. And now I stand up for saying, man, I know the true need of the world, Jesus Christ. But Stu said, hey, Tony, I'm willing to teach you everything I know about this Bible. I remember showing up to, um, to one of the Bible studies, and I was scared to pray out loud. You know, some of y'all at that point. And I've been going to church for at least eight years consistently, but I ain't never really pay attention, playing tic-tac-toes with my sister and things like that. So we get into the, to the college Bible study now, and we reading the Bible, and then we get to some red letters. I'm like, yeah, we're just reading it. And then I was like, hey, y'all, man, I ain't trying to be like a jokester, but why this mother red, though? Like, like why, why, why is it red? I was like, man, that's what Jesus said. I was like, dude, I thought Jesus said all of this stuff. Like, what you mean? <laughs> like, I showing up, I ain't know nothing for real. You know, I wasn't paying attention when I was going to church. But he said, hey, I will teach you everything I know about this Bible. And I will teach you how to pray, but also, Tony, I'm going to teach you to share your faith. And, dude, if I teach you to share your faith, we're going to do it together. And I'm going to kind of expect you to pass this on. So I go down to the summer project, and I emphasize that, man, everybody in this room, that you say, hey, I want to grow in my faith, man, that summer project is where you need to go. I don't even know you, but I tell you from my personal experience, it changed my life. And I left this I left this conference. Let's just say you leave today. I got back home. I told my family, hey, I think I want to do this Jesus thing. 
And then I decided I want to go to the New Year's conference. It was 10 weeks. I mean, I mean, the summer project was 10 weeks. Yeah, that's a silly decision. But, dude, it was boot camp for my faith. The things that I do now is the same thing as I did on that summer project. So, hey, if you're saying, hey, I want to get real with God, man, go tell your campus staff, sign me up. And that's what I you know what I'm going to do. I didn't know how I was going to get there. But I was like, hey, if God is real, he'll work it out. I get down there, and it's the group that they put me in. Put me with all these white dudes, man. I was the only black dude in that deal for real. It was three other ones, but the two ain't really, really count. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm down there struggling. I'm like, man, all these white dudes trying to get in that water. Somebody got bit by a shark last week, and they still out in that water like no way. I'm sitting in the sand by myself, lonely as all get out. It was a culture shock for me. I didn't know much about the Bible, so I felt left out. You know what I'm saying? Like, but these group of guys, man, they loved on me. They taught me what they knew. And we were walking this together. Just saying my journey had just grown with the faith. Guys that didn't even go to my school on the summer project. But I told you I came back after that summer. And I decided, man, I want to share the love of Jesus Christ with others. This is just one of those white dudes that I told you that came to know the Lord. This is John right here. And John was one of the weirdest white dudes I ever met in my life in the dorm. All he did was like Spider-Man and play video games on his computer. And he had a girlfriend as the only person he actually even talked to at the time. Coming to John Rowe, share the bridge diagram with him because I was an expert because I've been seen it ten times from Stu, you know. And John becomes a Christian. And he didn't even come from a Christian family at all. He only been to church a couple times in his life and he was serious. He started challenging me. I remember he came to the Lord that fall and then he said, hey man, we're in a discipleship group. I started discipling those guys. And it's spring break. And John comes and says, hey, hey, my parents, military, they got a, um, a, a beach house in Florida. Hey, if y'all down with going to the beach, y'all ain't got to pay for the house. But I'm just asking, if y'all come down there, y'all just got to share with my family. Like, that's all I ask. You get a free trip, you just got to share with my family. I'm sophomore in college. The only places I've been is St. Louis and Cape Girardeau at this point. I'm like, sign me up. All I got to do is talk about Jesus for a free trip. Let's go. We took his car. We stayed at his house. Only we had to do is just share with, share with his family. We came in, shared with his brother. His brother became a Christian. He shared with his parents. They became Christian. And this is just a picture of his family. So he led his mama, his daddy, and his brother to Christ. And now this is his family. He got two kids now. Um, or one. But that is a picture of a guy just using a dude that only been a Christian nine months and only had one tube to bridge that ground and a whole family changed. And he got the sweetest parents in this world. Just seen him about a month ago at a wedding. And we hugging him and everything. I love him to this day. But a year later, I've been a Christian for a year now. I go back on that summer project again. When I left the summer project, I'll be completely honest. Just like I didn't like NYC, I didn't like the summer project, y'all. However, both of those things changed my life, and it's okay that you didn't like NYC. It's good. Nobody like um, practice, basketball practice. It sucks. Nobody like football practice. It sucks. But it always makes you better. So I go down to the summer project, and they put these guys in my room. Uh, we got Leonard Madlock. Leonard Madlock is one of the managers for all of the top, well, basically the top Christian artists. Uh, Trip Lee, the Lecrae's, the, the pros, like, he's managing them now. Those were guys that they showed us in my room, and I just taught them what I knew about the Bible. Wasn't much at the time, but it actually helped these guys out. Another guy in there is Tazar. Me and my wife went to go and visit him earlier last year, and he's leading a church in Indonesia, a Muslim country. 
and the church is thriving to this day. It's like, man, other guy in there is Taylor on Tolleson. He's basically just started a seminary in Memphis. It's like, man, these are dudes that God allowed to be in my room on a summer project. They're changing the world. Man, that is crazy. Inner city kid, barely can read, might be a crack baby, but God changing the world through him. And the last picture, if you scroll down, the one with the, um, it's three pictures. Go up one more. And I share this story right here. We live in a broken world. And this is my dude, LG, man. Man, I love him to this day. He came to the Lord on the um, college campus at University of Memphis, shared the gospel with him over and over and over. And he comes to the summer project and things like this. And I remember him just sharing the story with me. And I checked with him, and it's okay to share. LG mother was raped. And the consequence, well, not the consequence, the result of that was him. She had an option to get an abortion. She was raped. And she decided to keep LG. LG grew up rough, single um, mom household, in gangs, running around, just, just living a crazy life. Show up to college and here to love of Jesus Christ. Life is transformed because Jesus is the need. And dude, a deacon at a church now in Memphis, raising his kids. He's married now. The, the family legacy, because he has Christ now, is completely changed. Like, like, you meet this dude right here, one of the funnest, craziest, Jesus-loving dudes I've ever met in my life. And, dude, he is serious about being a, a great father and building a great family and loving his wife and serving the church. It's like, man, Jesus is the need. And for some of y'all, you may be thinking, like, man, man, so many bad things happen to me. And I think about his mama, and that's a horrible thing, and God, I hate that she was raped. But, man, God is working it out for good to those who love him. And, man, he will work it out, and he's on your team. And he hates the sin and the stain in the world, and that's why he sent Jesus. So don't let the, the brokenness of the world be the reason that holds you back from the greatest gift in the world. So, and the last one, I'm going to skip the, um, the one and say one. Go to me and the wife and um, one more. But this is a picture of my wife and Elena. Um, and... For those who say, hey, man, I want to get married, you got you to gotta marry well, you know, and I have done that. And I say, man, my marriage is based off the foundation of the, the need for Jesus Christ. And me and my wife, on our date night, it's like, man, I'm a college minister and we have a date night where I don't do nothing ministry related. I just make sure my wife knows that she's the most important thing in the world to me. But we ended the semester, and it was a girl that wanted to get time with us. And um, one of the, um, the students was like, hey, I got his friend. Hey, could y'all just share the gospel with him? I'm like, yeah, we got you. And it gets to the end of the semester, and I said, like, yeah, I got you. And I, I didn't lie to her about six times. And Jenny like, hey, let's go. Let's do it on a date night. So we take out the, the staff and her student, and we share Jesus Christ at the table. Hispanic girl, my wife is Hispanic. She, they connect, and we preach Jesus. And she come to know the Lord. Elena, and Elena is killing it on the college campus and building a movement at University of Memphis now. It's like I'm gone. I don't even live in the city anymore. And there's people literally still living their life away for Jesus. Every last one of us are in stages of our our, our life. And I want you to, to take a look and just find out, man, what stage are you in? So I'm saying the Christian life breakdown. In order to be a Christian, you need to be actually converted. 
and not converting in the sense like, oh, they're trying to convert me. I'm just saying that, man, there's a reality that when you become a Christian, God gives you a new heart. There's a reality, man, that the Holy Spirit comes into you. I know it sounds crazy, but Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came down on earth. And he said that, man, he will send the Holy Spirit to dwell in your heart, that you are converted and you have a new heart. The old is gone and new has come. So unless you have that, you're not really a Christian. You can say the name and the, and the what's the name, but we're, that's what I'm talking about. So erase what you think, Christian. If you had a true heart change and the Holy Spirit dwells in you and you have repented and turned to Jesus Christ and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. That's stage one. Some of y'all may be in that stage. Like, man, that happened yesterday for me, you know. And then you got a disciple. A disciple is somebody that says, hey, man, I follow the teaching of my, my teacher. I follow and I'm walking this out. Uh, this is a person who's really growing in their faith. You're reading your Bible uh, consistently and saying, hey, I want to be obedient to the things of God. And then you got a disciple maker. This is a person say, hey, man, not only am I reading God's word, I'm growing in God's word. I'm actually out trying to make spiritual babies. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going out there telling people about love of Jesus Christ, and I'm discipling them, and I'm helping them walk it out. And then we got making disciple makers. And most of you are in that room, but even for the staff out there, man, what level are you? Are you making disciples that make disciples? Because, man, that's the stage of Christianity, and that's the level. So you're a baby if you're um, converted. You're just, you're in that, um, that, that eight to 18 stage if you're um, just a disciple. And then you're in the parent stage if you're making disciples. Then you're in the grandparent stage if you're making disciples that make disciples. And my prayer that, man, if you really want to live out that dash, that, man, you will be a person that make disciples of people who make disciples. And, dude, you will live a legacy that lives on and on and on and on and on forever because this is eternal life that you may know the one and only true God. And people will know God because of you. Some of y'all, man, like, man, what's my purpose in life? It's that right there. Because when I started off the talk yesterday, you were creating God's image, so you're adorable, but you also reflect him. And God created Adam and Eve to be a reflection of him all throughout earth. And we get to do that by letting people know the greatest need in the world is Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear God, we just come to you today. God, we thank you for the cross. God, we thank you for your love and your mercy. God, we thank you for those who have been in our life, who have been telling us about you. And God, I pray that we be people who be bold enough to tell others about you. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Tony, thank you. Uh, let's, let's give Tony a hand one more time. Most, most of you don't know this and would never know this because he would never tell you, but the amount of anxiety and fear, personal insecurity that Tony had to work through to stand up here for three talks to do this was monumental in his faith. Good. And you guys need to know that because he looks so poised, he looks sharp. His hair's all cut nice. Yeah, be right. His, his talks were organized and flowed. But what was sort of like that duck on the, on the water going smooth, but underneath the legs are churning. And, bro, I just wanted to tell you, in front of all these students, you did well. <laughs> Your heavenly father is proud of you, and you served these thousand students in ways that will be grateful for that whole dash and for eternity. So, bro, thank you.
Listen, you guys need to know that Jenny and, and Tony are giving their lives in Chicago and, and laboring in a very difficult place uh, and loving it. And we had lunch with them yesterday and heard them talk about that. So I want to pray before he leaves for him and Jenny that what he just talked to you about would continue to be true in his life and that God would raise up laborers and disciple makers in Chicago. So let me pray for Tony and Jenny. Father, thank you for Tony and uh, his life. Thank you for his honest portrayal of his journey and story. Thank you for rescuing him out of the domain of darkness and transferring him to the kingdom of the son that you love. Thank you that he now is a son that you love and cherish and desire to be with. That he is a man after your own heart. Thank you that he, uh, at the depths of his soul, has integrity. That he desires to live what he reads in your word and what your spirit speaks to him in his innermost being. He listens, and I pray that he would never have a time where he strays from that. The loud screams of your, of your providence in his life and the silent whispers in his prayer closet, Lord, he would listen to you and walk firmly in your ways. Lord, I pray for Jenny as she labors there as a, as a marketing director in, in, a, in, a, in corporate America, that you would pour out your spirit on her, that she would uh, work as unto you with righteousness and justice and mercy and in a, in a very difficult world of, of business and marketing and uh, the marketplace. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd bless Jenny. And then I pray you'd bless her marriage. I pray that it would be a, a, a model of Christ in the church to the world. Their home would be a refuge for many and a place of hospitality and that the gospel would be felt and heard and experienced in their home. And if you bless them with children, whether physically or uh, spiritually or through adoption, I pray that their posterity would bear much fruit in this world. Lord, that you would multiply them. As you said to Adam and Eve, to be fruitful and multiply. I pray that Jenny and Tony would be fruitful and multiply. We love this man. We love his family. Thank you for his service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Appreciate y'all. Okay, we're going to move to a time of discussion. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at conyc.com.